been going through my mind throughout this week, and you have to forgive me. I guess I listened to too much Michael W. Smith. <laughs> it wasn't too long ago that I, back as my son is back here, was certain was there with me. I was at the Creation Festival. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called the Christian Woodstock. It's the campgrounds, the Gopi Farm in Mount Union, Pennsylvania. Fifty to 70,000 people camp out and worship with the greatest Christian rock bands that's there. And I had one of my greatest moments. I had one of my God moments, one of those times, unusual moments, and I'm not going to tell you that story right now, but it was an experience. And it's that experience that comes to us, and that is the, the souvenirs that we have. And I, I believe, the reason why I say that this morning, I believe that I've had an encounter with God as I've come to serve with you. You're very infectious. <clears throat> I have a love for you, and they'll always be excited to hear the wonderful happenings. And I believe God has some astonishing things for you. Something, yes, a breathtaking future for you, and I'm excited. I'm a little jealous of Pastor Tom and all the things that you're going to experience. But that's my sermon this morning. I have a prayer for you. And I want this prayer to be about your future. I want this prayer to go beyond just something I can pray, but it's a prayer that's already been prayed. And I want to latch on to it and pray that prayer with you. Paul he writes to the church in, at Ephesus in the Ephesian letter. He's writing from prison. And he's asking them to somehow understand how they should grasp the power of God that is in work in them. As he breaks away from time to time as he talks about it, you know, it, I love the Pauline epistle of Ephesians. It's one of the greatest books, I mean, especially about the church itself. And I kind of like it because Apostle Paul, he's one minute down on earth, the next minute he's talking about up in heaven, it kind of blurs it all together. I think Paul, Apostle Paul has ADD. <laughs> Maybe that's just because I do, and I want him to be like me or something. I don't know. But it's a beautiful picture that he, pull, he gives to us. It's his prayer. It's a liturgy, the finest of all liturgy. In fact, if you would literally take the book of Ephesians and pray it in your devotions, you will find an unbelievable God moments that begin to come to be with you. And I invite you to go there often and do it in the book of Ephesians. There's two literal prayers, but this is, this is classified as some of the best liturgy of the early church. And I give it to you this morning that you would take it and make it yours. When I say liturgy, it's worship at its highest level. And I want you to, I want to make it part. Paul loves to blur them all together. It's the personal faith blurred with the faith of the entire body. You know, we're not separated in this thing. Your faith, you individually need to have your sins washed away, but at the same time, it's the blood-washed throng, the glorious church merged together as a body, growing up into Christ that makes the difference. It's blurred between what's happening here on earth and what is happening in heaven. It's eschatology, the present and the future. It's a picture from God's viewpoint and Christ's viewpoint. And listen, 
the beautiful thing about the church, and if you really get into it, there's something you get caught up that's bigger and larger than yourself and your little world. It's the great happenings of the universe that God has called you to. I call this the cosmic worship experience. Paul, in his revenant training, he had often, I think those people, the ethnicists there, the Corman, Cor- Ran, if you've ever studied that, any of that, have heard any of that, there was, a, there was a belief that there was a higher family. There, and I believe that this morning. There's more than just us here this morning gathered together. There, there's the universe. There's God, Jesus Christ, came down here on earth to become a human, to become a part of us. But he ascends into heaven to become the Lord of the cosmic family and universe he's lord of all and it's that it's that era that's that that we come into somehow the trinity and their great mind got together and they sent christ down here that he could actually become our sacrifice and bring his holiness and his power and his love into your life and now he transcends into heaven and as jesus goes there and he becomes our advocate and he's ever pleading our cause it's in their great mind, and I don't understand it, that somehow he visualizes that Christ's body would still remain on earth and it would remain here because it's remained in the church and you and I would be made part of that body. That's a glorious picture. That's the reason why I don't treat the church just like another business. That's the reason why I don't believe the church is just something that is a social club you belong to. We literally, the, the, the picture that Paul gets as he begins to pray for us is that you are fulfilling God's plan and God's call for you to literally become the body of Christ here on earth. So there's two views of the church. There's that heavenly view that's glorious. It's to be a witness of who Christ is. Listen to Paul as he prays. And when I think of all this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father. Some writer said, yes, he got a picture of what God expected, and then he saw us. <laughs> and that would make anybody fall on their knees and really pray. I think I understand that a little bit. I, I tell you what, most of us have a lot. There's one sermon I saw written, and I, I'm not going to preach that this morning. I'm going to preach someone else's sermon. But it was the church, the good, bad, and the ugly. I thought, <laughs> That's really a sermon for you there, isn't it? But we are to become the visible community of God's love. Paul saw it as that. Teaches the church was to be visible, made up of folk just like you and me. But in that community, they would be, somehow we would so love each other and we would love the world that we would become the great witness of that, of that to the world one of my favorite writers today, one of those ones that stir me because of his own ministry, is Steve Sergrin, the author of Church Beyond Walls, A Conspiracy of Kindness, all those things. You're familiar with that, the, the acts of kindness that churches are doing today. And he, he builds everything around this text. Think of the ways to encourage one another to outburst of love and good deeds. Isn't that what we're all about? We are to just spur one another and God's love. We exist to love this city into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he says. My prayer for you is that you will be able to love this city into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I ask not that you become a church because you're famous for anything else besides your love for this community and this area around you. And I pray that for you this morning. Secondly, it's to manifest and actualize God's saving will. Thank you. God, Jesus paid it all. That, was a, that, was, that just was a pull toward the cross this morning, wasn't it, in a worship. Nothing is more important than people coming to Christ and finding His saving power. And thirdly, that church, and this is a view of it, it unites us as one body of Christ. See, the whole theme of Ephesians, you become the body of Christ. Paul visualizes, he begins to pray, and then he ascends into the heavens and he sees the dream and the vision that God has called us to be. And then he comes back to this prayer that I want to make it ours this morning. And fourthly, it's characterized by holiness. Holiness is not a denomination. It's a way of life. We always fall short of God's holiness. But God's holiness in us has a way of changing our lives that we're not like the world. I took that outline from Cardinal Dooley's, the Romanist, the Cardinal in the Roman Catholic Church and his model of the church. See, it's a worldview. That's really what the world is looking for. You get me? Well, I love the church. But yet it's unfortunately that sometimes an unchristian sees us di differently than we see ourselves. Isn't that right? We come here, we think what we look, we, this is who we are, and those around us. Now this is to another extreme, and recently a book was given to, by one of your members to me. It's called, you've probably heard of it already many times over, David Ken, 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 Kinneman and Gabe Lyons and Unchristian. The average person from the age of 16 to 29 in America, a large percentage of them, this is the way they see the church. Okay? I'm not saying it's an accurate view of the church, but it's what is their view if they're not in church, if they're the non-Christian. They see the church as being hypocritical. They, they believe Christians just pretend. They're too focused on getting converts, and they don't really care about them as a person. I'm not going to preach on this. I'm just going to let you think about how they feel about it. They feel like you're just anti-homosexual. Christians are fixated on the problem and can't get rid of it. They figure Christians are too sheltered. They're out of touch with reality. They're too political. They're overly motivated to a political agenda. And they're judgmental. The Christians are quick to judge the wrong perspectives in others. Isn't that interesting that that's all they see about the church? Now, I'm not saying that that viewpoint is right, for you realize that the church has always had a ba bad name out there in the world, right? We are a stumbling block, the Bible tells us. We, but we have to be careful that the stumbling block is for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons. There's a difference. Remember, there's probably three or four warnings about the stumbling blocks that are the wrong reasons there's only one warning about or one encouragement that we are stumbling block and that is this that we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews foolishness to the Gentiles what is it and both to the Greek and the Jews Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God but Christ is stronger than man's strength it tells us 
you know, the early church was sometimes criticized. You know what they, were, they, told, they told about the early church, right? That they actually, they were fixated with drinking the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they said, this is, this is barbarians. And the church overcame that because they couldn't change it. And there's some things that you and I cannot change. I am not preaching this morning about you changing what you believe. I am saying you need to be careful to understand what you are representing. I, I, I was trying to think how to do this. I, I'm not asking you to become a welcoming church. You know, know what I mean by that term? Out there in the church world, a welcoming church that says, if you're a homosexual, you can just come here and continue in your homosexuality and we'll just welcome you. We're not a welcome, we are a welcoming church, but we're not a welcoming church. I don't know how you, you get that two things, okay? But the difference is this, is how much we learn to love and show that love for each person, even though we disagree with them. I, um, I guess I kind of was looking for something to illustrate this, and I said, man, I'm going to get it over my head, you're going to misunderstand me, and I don't want you to do that. The only thing I can think of to illustrate this is, is what I learned. I guess it's, I've, I've looked at families and what, what, those people who have more positives than negatives and how they turn on. I don't know how many of you know the Maxwell, John Maxwell's family and his brother and the success they are in business and all that stuff. The most positive people you'll ever be around is the Maxwells. Well, I'll tell you why they're that way. Maxine Maxwell used to be in my home. I know. I've heard him talk. And this is what he says about the family. He said, and Maxine, his father, John Maxwell's father, is a very strict man, all right? Old-fashioned, Circleville College. I mean, you talk about walking the line. They, they didn't get by with anything. But here's what he would say to us. This is a young preacher coming into our home and holding revivals and that type of thing. He said, when you discipline your children... For every negative thing that you do with them, this is just some good advice at every level, for every one negative thing you have to say to your child, you need to have five to ten positive things to say. I would like to carry that over into the church. For every negative thing we stand against, would it be possible for us to have five to ten positive things that we stand for? Praise the Lord. I... I know you're enjoying this, okay? <laughs> Our Christian love does matter. Our vision for the world does matter. We have to show love. We have to come across. And I, I, I've, I've hit the pressure points. I know I've hit the pressure points this morning. But there is no reason that we do not love the world above everything else. Take your stand. I believe that. You'll never change me. I will always believe certain things. But you have to show love in every turn, that's where I want to start my prayer. That you would learn all those things that God has for you. And that you would become a ministry that loves this city in such an unbelievable way. Okay, back to the sermon. Some time ago, I was, I was in seminary, not too long ago, and it's my privilege to send her Center on the tutelage of Professor Petrus Grabe, the South African theologian. He was the professor of, of, Christ, of the New Testament uh, studies, and also I took Pauline theology under him. But he wrote recently a 300-page 
book. Uh, it's an academic work. It's published in academia with pre peer review. You know, I'm not talking about some shot. But 300 pages in the in title of the book, The Pauline View of God's Power. It's all about one thing, God's power. See, if I could get you to not only see the bleak picture what we stand against, but we could come over here and begin to experience the power of God and see what we stand for and what we are enabled with, then we can begin to pray this prayer. Earlier, the first prayer of this book, Paul prays, I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believed in him this same mighty power. It, it's an unbelievable thing. This is, I, I don't know, I probably, I don't know how many hours I just spent living in this scripture this week. Um, a literal translation says it so much better. With what exceeding greatness of his power to us who are believing, according to the working of the power of his might. In other words, Paul is trying to say to a, a, a culture that was all about political power structures and all about ruling and strength and how strong they could be physically in the Olympics and all those other things, Paul was saying to me, I'm going to show you what real power is. There is a power above all that, and he uses four different words, and I'm not going to preach on every one of those. It deserves our time. But dunamis is the word that we most, we're most commonly known to us, and that's his main word he uses. That means that's the word, the root word for dynamite that we use in our language. It denotes the ability to accomplish something. No you see, God has a power. He doesn't just talk about things. He really does do some things. Secondly, it's, it's um, inert strength, inherent strength and power. It's the ability to do something. And the third word is the power to overcome that which stands in its way. And the fourth one is the exercise of power. And it's working. It really does work. Now, why put all those guys? Paul's beyond himself as he begins to see the power of the gospel and the power of who Jesus Christ is and he says, all I can do is say, any word I have in the Greek language, that's the power I'm talking about. A description that goes beyond any power that you and I have. Paul says there's a power that's incredible in your part. I pray for the Wendover Hills that you would recognize the power of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. Israel's failure. <laughs> Bring it on, all right? <laughs> and he asked us, he said, there's, there's three ways that this exists in the church. The strength of the Spirit, the indwelling of Christ, and the fullness of God. That's what it's all about. So here's my prayer for you. I had to lay that back. I had to give a picture for you to see what you're up against. I want you to see, first of all, that you're really up against the problem, okay? Not everybody loves the church in America. Maybe you think they do. I thought that, I didn't like that, what non-Christian thing that Gabe was talking about. So I asked a couple friends today, I, this last week or so, I began to ask, I said, you know, someone said this, how do you really view the church? They run non-Christians, non you might say. And that's right, that, not in a Bible Belt. You know, I thought, they're writing this out in San Francisco and on the East Coast, and here I'm talking to Bible Belt kids, and there's, we have some things to overcome, and to overcome that, we're going to need a power that takes us there, all right? So here's my prayer for you. 
It's in Ephesians, the third chapter. That you become inside out. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. There's two ways that we form religious views. One way is syncretism, which is that whatever everybody believes, we just kind of gobble up everything and it becomes a part of us, right? That's what most religions want us to do, the whole idea of merging groups together and all this stuff is that we all kind of believe what everybody else believes and you do your thing and I do my thing. There's another thing that I believe that Paul is talking about and that's called instead of from the outside leaking in. See, you can get people to become like you here at this church. You know that? By peer pressure, by other... I spent the first part of my ministry making people feel guilty so they would line up to do what I wanted them to do. Shunning? You want me to talk about all the things you can do in a church? I want I don't want to give you any hints or anything because that is not the way to live. We, you know, some of us grew up in a in a church that actually became almost cultish. We we made certain people did what we want to dress the way we wanted them to dress, say the right things that we wanted them to say. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about a power that we need to pray for, and I pray for that that happens. That you begin to change and you become inside out transformation that's a god thing it's an interchange it's understanding who we are and it's not made of science it's not made of the metaphysical realm we can't explain this see i'm done with just saying everything is psychology all right i really believe that god can take a power that can change you on the inside out and make you different so i pray that you will understand this incredible greatness of God's power who believe in him, the same mighty power. This incredible greatness, what Paul is saying, I want you to know that God doesn't work in the box. I want you to know that God doesn't do it the way man designs it or some little schema. You know. Listen, explain to me the testimonies coming from that early Salvation Army days with Catherine Booth story of old born drunk you know the story don't you old born drunk grew up his mother would go to the tavern and almost lived at the tavern and she would take her her rag and dip it in her whiskey and put it in old born drunk's mouth to keep him quiet and he grew up never knowing a sober moment in his life and in that day's mind, in that day's mind that couldn't get through it anything, one day she, he, she, he went to the chapel. He'd somehow gotten married, and now they had a little child. And what can I do with this? You know, and he, he, he became concerned. So he, one day he, went, he just happened to come by, and he heard this singing, and he went into the little chapel, and Catherine Booth was ministering, William Booth's wife. And in that moment, they came forward and received Christ as their personal Savior. And something happened that you cannot... Sp- explain chemically you cannot explain psychologically you cannot explain in any way there became a power that got through to that doll brain and it made it come alive that he could take some willful choices of his own and he was delivered from alcoholism that is a power that's greater than anything we have of our own making i pray that happens for you in your ministry 
It's not enough to just be a church. It's not enough to just be religious. We, I pray God's power to change you from the inside out. Can I tell you another story? I love, I just live, the, I, I, have had, I have had the privilege I've seen people change from alcoholism to become ministers of the gospel. I've seen people that the church said they will never make it. I've seen people who I said they will never make it. <laughs> I was traveling. I was in a Bible college, and I somehow they allowed me to travel in the college quartet, and I was visiting churches, and I was down visiting my wife's church, and there's this guy who got up and testified in the church, and he looked like he was breathing alcohol. You know what I mean? His face is his mouth, his teeth, everything, just something about the old brother Stinger. And he got up, and this is what his testimony was. He said, you know, he said, God saved me, and I purpose I'm not going to drink another bit of alcohol. And he said, I stuck that whiskey bottle right there in the refrigerator. I said, oh, no, no, get it out of the home. You know, I'm thinking to myself, I've been back 40 years, and that bottle's still a witness to his family. I can't stand the music there. You guys are so fortunate. I go to that little church, and it is terrible. But I, but I, go, I go there, and you know, I see them sing an old hymn, and I see this hand go up like this, his arm. He doesn't know how to do it right, you know. And he sticks it straight up like this. And then I sing like, well, how firm a foundation, you know, and his little fingers dancing like this. And all of a sudden, I'm receiving the blessing because I remember 40 years ago and I said, there's a guy that will never make it. A living testimony of the power of God that goes beyond what you and I can do. I pray that you become God changers. Second thing I pray from these scriptures is that you'll become Christocentric. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I pray that God, Christ, will make his home in your heart. One of my favorite invitations, I guess it's because I saw so many thousands of people come to know Christ at a crusade I was involved with, chairman of discipleship. I forget, we averaged over 8,000 a night. But I remember him coming in. That we'd sing it every night. We'd sing, into my heart, into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in, I pray. Come in, I to stay. See, I didn't sing it. I was smart enough not to actually sing that for you. But it's my favorite invitation song. I pray that Christ would make his home. Heart. I always love the little story. You know I always have to tell one or two of these little things. It's part of my ADD problem, and, and there's no help for that. But the, little, the nurse, you know, she was trying to teach the little kids about themselves a little bit, and she was taking her stethoscope and putting on them and letting them listen, and this little four-year-old boy was sitting there. She put it on and says, What do you hear? And he kind of wrinkled his eyebrow, and then it burst out and smiled and says, is that Jesus knocking at my door? And I say to you this morning, Jesus is knocking at our door. He wants to come in. He wants to come into your heart as an individual, and He wants to come into your heart as a church. It blurs together. 
I pray that he makes your home there. Well, I have to go. I can't preach. Oh, my. What happened? You guys sung way too long this morning. <laughs> Grow down, it says. I will hurry. I will get this in. But I, this prayer is so important because I believe this is what makes the difference of the future. Grow down, it says. Grow down. I want you to grow down. See, it's not always it's in the surface. It's always not what's happened here on Sunday morning. But I want to see your roots grow down. And it's not just going down anywhere to go down into God's love. If you become grounded, not in religion, not in the belief system, not what you believe, but you become grounded in God's love, you're unstoppable. You'll become exactly what the Bible symbols. This is one of the favorite symbols, whether it's Jesus or the prophets. You'll become like a tree planted by the by the river of life. You will become that that, that you will be there where your tree where your roots will go down, and God's love will bubble up, and you'll be unstoppable, and that you'll become strong. You know the mother's love for her child. I say to you, there's not a greater strength in the church than love. Your love for Christ will take you through anything that you need. Thirdly, I want you to, that you may experience God's love. Wow. Let me just get these scriptures through to you. And may you have the power to understand all as God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, and though it is too great to understand fully, then you, you will be made complete in the fullness and the power that comes from God. You know, I love our Bible studies and I love all those things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out here a little bit and say, I want to go beyond just knowledge. I, and I, this, is, hey, this is a guy that loves to study and likes to talk. I think I have a, a pastor friend who wrote on his Facebook and he's going to, be calling me. There's two things why he wants me to go over something about his church and also, but we're having this discussion of hermeneutics. What is the power? How, how do we really interpret the scriptures? And we're in this great big dialogue. He's church of God. He's, he's, he's all right, all right? You're with me, so you're not thinking I'm going out there. But he wants to, he, there, there's a discussion. There is something that takes place. I love to study. I want, but you know, it's not enough to just know things. We have to experience things. I want you to seize this power of God that this knowledge turns to understanding, the living turns to experience, and that experience grows up in the love of God being expressed in everything. I want you to be a seeker, and I pray for you. You know, one of the problems we have is some of our churches, you almost wonder, where is God, Right? I, you know, I always tell you my ADD, but I, I can't ever leave this alone. The, little, the two little boys were the, was the problem. They were 8 and 10, but they had caused more mischief in that community. And people were tired of it. The mother was just wore out. And she finally heard that there was a pastor down there someplace that could handle this type of kid. And so they, she talked to the pastor. And the pastor said, send the youngest kid down first. And she set him down on a chair. And he just sat there and they looked at each other for five minutes. And finally he says, where is God? And then a few minutes later, he said a little loud, Where is God? And finally, God pointed his finger in his face and he says, Where is God? 
And the little boy got panicked, and he ran out, and he ran home. He ran up into the closet where his older brother was, where they, where they planned all their little schemes, you know. He said, we're in big trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble, he said. What do you mean, big trouble? He says, they, they can't find God, and they think we took him. <laughs> I think some of our churches are worried about that. Listen, you can't have too much of God. My prayer is for you to continue. Oh, there's so much I would like to share on that. But you would find significance. You would be fulfilled as a Christian. It's so important that this love becomes a vital part of you. Listen, there is not a thing. You can climb every ladder that's out there. You can become so involved, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be fulfilled. But I believe you find in your spiritual gifts that in moving the power of God, you can be fulfilled. Third thing. I would like to see you recal- recalibrate your life. Okay? Some of you have been in the church a while and you've gone through the struggle here. It's been a struggle. Let's, let's, let's not just pass over things. It's hard, isn't it? And you're wore out. And I pray, I pray that somehow there will be a recalibration of your life. I use that term because you need almost like a new start. And I, as your new pastor comes, I am praying that you'll get renewal, and then you'll be made complete in the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Thank you for letting me be with you these months. Could we just pray that prayer together in closing? I'm going to ask you to stand with me, would you? And I want to pray the prayer literally. God, bring us back in the full circle. Lord, it's not about us. It's about you, your plan. Teach us to reach out and take hold of your resources. Empower us, God. Lord, teach us how to become more like you. Help us from the inside out and let us become the persons and the people you called us to God, I need you. I need you desperately. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Help me to trust in you. Help me to lean on you in the time of trouble. Oh God, may you become the center of my life and all that I do. God, may your roots and may the roots of Wendover Hills Western Church go deep down to your love. And for each other, And for this community, may they love them and keep them strong in their faith. And Lord, open their spiritual eyes. Open the eyes of their heart to see you, God. Open the eyes of faith to discover and understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep your love is. Take us past knowledge into experience of your love. Take us on this journey of faith to experience you in a new and renewing way. Let us drink of the fountain of your love until we're satisfied until we discover all that you have for us. And may it become our motivation in our life. Let us experience the power that comes from dwelling in you and your love flowing freely in all that we do. God, we can hardly begin to imagine what you have in store for Wendover Hills. Lord, I praise you for what you're about to do. 
what you're about to accomplish. God, with your faith, our faith in you, Lord, help each one to dream bigly, to dream largely, and to believe and to trust your resources. And again, Lord, we can't even imagine what you're about to do. Father, you're all-powerful. You are love. You are mighty. Glorify yourself in us. Jesus Christ, you alone are worthy to take the credit of what is about to happen. Make your home in our hearts, and we give glory in your name, Holy Spirit. We recognize our need for your empowerment, and we praise you for your ministry, and in your name we pray, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.